This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss. I'm Judy Lee Brack, and this is the show that helps you find your happiness and your bliss. And today off the top of the show, we're introducing a new segment called Bliss Blast, and it's really Finding Your Bliss coaching live on the air. I don't know about you, but as a life coach, I'm hearing a lot about people talking about how they're just feeling stuck and feeling cooped up. And as we move into month six of this pandemic, I don't know about you, but help! We all want this to end, don't we? So I want to know if you're struggling to find a foothold and you don't know where to begin. Are you finding this transition between lockdown and what's next challenging? And we're going to give you some coaching tools regularly on the show to help you move forward in the most optimal way. And we're calling the segment Bliss Blast because it's a little blast of bliss and feeling good energy. And today we're introducing this new segment and we'll give you some tools to help you move through this time and just get more connected to finding your bliss. So in order to do that, I'm going to introduce a classic coaching exercise live with you right now. And it's called the Bliss Wheel of Life. And if you're near a computer, just go to www dot findingyourbliss.com slash wheel. That's findingyourbliss.com slash to the right <laughs> wheel. And what should come up for you is a very colorful picture of a wheel of life. It's called the Bliss Wheel of Life. For those of you that are not near a computer, just take a, a pen and paper and literally draw a pie, a circle, and divide it into eight wedges. And inside that pie are the following wedges. One is called fun, fun and recreation. One is called career. One is health and fitness. One is your personal growth and spirituality. There's one for friends and family, one for romance, one for your environment, and one for finances. And normally when I begin a coaching session, I'll ask people, how deeply satisfied are you with each wedge in this wheel? So maybe just jot down on a scale from zero to 10, how deeply satisfied are you right now with your career? And just give it a number, knowing that it can change from day to day, week to week, month to month. And the beauty of this is that it does change and it does get better. So just give it a real number and do the same with health and fitness and the same with personal growth, with your friends and family. How deeply satisfied are you on a scale from zero to 10? And give it a number, your environment, your romance, and finances. Now, I want to start with the health and fitness piece. And in fact, if we were in a coaching session, that's exactly what would happen. We would pick the one piece that is resonating the most. I'm hearing from a lot of people that this health and fitness piece is problematic. We all started off raring to go and then you sort of fall back and it's harder to get motivated. It's harder to lose that COVID-15 as people are calling it. In fact, we have a great article in our magazine written by one of our Bliss bloggers, Nikki, called the Quarantine 15 and how to lose it. For me, it's probably a Quarantine 30 or something. I don't know what number I'm up to. But I actually did my wheel and I do it all the time. And I noticed that my health and fitness piece was a little bit on the lower side. It was about a five level of satisfaction. 
And I knew that I had to do something. And I always will ask my clients, what do you think you can do to improve that number? How can you turn that number into a 10 or into a, into a higher number for yourself? And the first thing that sort of caught my eye was I was on Instagram and I saw a wonderful influencer and a brand ambassador named Sasha Exeter. And she was carrying this water bottle that was fantastic. It's sort of the size of a gallon of water. I actually wrote to her and told her that I loved it and it was inspiring me. And I ended up ordering one of those bottles online, filling it up with water and ice cubes and and some lemon wedges. So it looked really pretty. And I started drinking. And I also partnered with a client of mine to help each other just get in a better place with our health and fitness. And we decided together, we're going to write to each other three times a day after breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we're going to help each other by telling each other what we're eating. So for instance, in the morning, I'll write B for breakfast, protein shake with blueberries, strawberries, and a quarter of a banana and coffee with milk, let's say. And she would do the same to me. And we decided for this week, we're just not going to have any carbs or sugar. I think she's beating me. She's doing really, really well. But I'm definitely moving forward. And if you were to ask me today what number I would give that wedge in my wheel of life, I would honestly give it about a 7.5 or an 8 because it's improved already. I'm feeling hopeful and optimistic. And there's a few things that made that possible. One was partnering. Great to partner with a life coach, a friend or a relative or anybody that you know is going to help keep you accountable. Also, just the water bottle was a great sort of springboard to making all of this happen. And it's just a great, a great thing that we can all do. So anyway, if you go to my Instagram at the bliss minute, so that's the bliss minute, you can see the water bottle, which really got this whole thing off to a flying great start. And being accountable to someone is also a fantastic thing as well. And next week, I want to talk to you about finding your purpose. And I think that's going to be really cool because we're going to talk about career and what do we do right now that our careers have changed for someone who's a photographer, maybe their career isn't working as well as it was before because there's less people to photograph in these times. So you got to get creative and you got to pivot and you've got to reinvent. And that's really what I do as a life coach. I've actually coached a lot of people in the arts. So I have a lot of books under my belt, a lot of uh, clients I've worked with who have written books and who have written songs and created music, and also even a film recently, which was so exciting, someone who created and produced a film. And it's just about a matter of getting started and getting unstuck. And that's really what I love to do as a Bliss Life Coach. And we will be doing some coaching on the air on a regular basis. And we will also be doing coaching tips because I have lots of tips in my tool belt that I think can really help you, especially during these times. For now, I hope you will drink some water and get started on some healthy fitness and exercise. And that brings me now to our first guest, and that's author Maggie Craddock, who wrote a book called Lifeboat, Navigating Unexpected Career Change and Disruption. And she actually weaves in the story of the survivors of Lifeboat 6, who survived the sinking of the Titanic. And she's also going to be writing for our magazine, which is so fantastic. And I look forward to welcoming her momentarily. I'm also really excited to welcome one of the biggest fans of Finding Your Bliss, our show from the very beginning, and that's Barry Livingston, who has an amazing jazz band. And today they're playing a beautiful song that really is all about meditation and relaxation. 
And as I mentioned, I'm inviting any listeners who would like a live complimentary coaching session around their bliss. I will be offering on-air coaching. Just write to us again at info at findingyourbliss.com. You can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram, The Bliss Minute on Facebook. And of course, visit our online magazine, www.findingyourbliss.com. To set an intention for today's show, I came across this quote, and here it is. Sometimes we lose ourselves, and that's okay. It's all part of learning. Just make sure your comeback is stronger than your setback. I'm delighted to welcome veteran executive coach Maggie Craddock, president and CEO of Workplace Relationships, who is known for her work with Fortune 500 CEOs and senior management. She has been featured on CNBC, ABC News, and National Public Radio, and has written a wide range of nationally syndicated articles on emotional agility in the workplace, and her methodology has been discussed in publications ranging from the Harvard Business Review to Oprah Magazine. Wow. A certified therapist and author of The Authentic Career and Power Genes, Craddock has been a popular keynote speaker at leadership conferences, university and industry networking associations, and personal growth seminars. Before founding her executive coaching firm, she worked as a lead portfolio manager working for Scudder, Stevens and Clark and received two Lipper Awards for top national fund performance, best short-term multi-market income and best world income fund over $1 billion in size. Craddock received an MSc in economics from the London School of Economics, an MSW from New York University, and a BA in economics from Smith College. Her latest book, Lifeboat, Navigating Unexpected Career Change and Disruption, is available on August 4th on Amazon and other retail outlets. Hi, Maggie, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss. It's wonderful to have you here to talk about your book, Lifeboat, and welcome. Judy, thank you. I'm delighted to be having this conversation with you. Same. (laughs) Your book, Maggie, is so prophetic, almost as if you wrote this before the COVID-19 pandemic struck. There are so many parallels between your book, Lifeboat, and what is happening right now in the world. What was your reaction initially when COVID-19 struck and our world was literally turned upside down? Well, Judy, I have to tell you, I myself have been stunned by all the parallels and the timing of this because I've been working on this book for a few years. You know, many of the questions that people are asked to address in the book, some of the same questions that Titanic survivors asked themselves when they were facing, you know, unexpected change and disruption in that a tragedy, the very same questions we're thinking about today, right? Wow, wow. How bad is it? Will I survive? Who can I trust? How long is this going to last? You know, it's it's a fascinating time. It's incredible. In your book, you write that, quote, it came as something of a shock when the Titanic, which was considered unsinkable, unexpectedly struck an iceberg and became fatally damaged. The crew were unprepared to abandon ship and there weren't enough lifeboats aboard. What a great metaphor for what actually is happening in the world, but especially the fact that your book focuses on how a group of strangers managed to survive together in lifeboat number six. Can you tell us more about this powerful image of the lifeboat and what it means for people right now? Well, I I think in many senses, we feel like we're living on lifeboats when we're working from home. Our lives have become more and more of somewhat of a bubble. 
we're really looking much more carefully at the relationships we have with other people, with ourselves, and how we're pulling together as a group to survive this whole thing. So rather than feeling like members of these large amorphous organizations, or even sometimes our communities, we're very close to people and looking at all the nuances of the relationships we have with them, and how we pull together during a pretty stressful time. Absolutely. And and focusing on the positive as we're doing it and focusing Absolutely. on survival. And, and I feel that positivity in your book. In fact, you talk about your Titanic day, in quotes, when you left Wall Street and you were making what you refer to as a lifeboat shift. Can you tell us more about this epiphany that led you to this monumental transformation in your own life? Well, one of the things I think that's threaded through Lifeboat is this idea of just really being aligned in the present moment in terms of our thoughts and our feelings and our energy and even our intentions and what we're doing. And, you know, working on a live trading floor, you have to make so many decisions. And of course, you do your homework, but you also have to be able to trust your gut. And more than anything, you have to trust your decision-making process, Judy, not just every decision you make, but go back to the process. And so what we talk about in Lifeboat more and more is how you are aligned authentically in making those decisions from the inside out, particularly mm-hmm. under pressure, how present you are as you make them. Mm-hmm. You have to really dance in the moment, don't you? You have to, you don't we have do. time sometimes to overthink. You just have to make a wise decision and trust yourself that you're making the right one. So what occurred for you, and I know you talk about this in the book, that made you say, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much. This isn't giving me deep levels of satisfaction. This is actually stressing me out. And I know I might have a greater purpose. Well, I think that one of the things that was interesting in my own evolution is I started when I was working on a trading floor to take weekends and actually go away sometimes to religious retreats, uh, sometimes to meditation retreats, and just really sit and center and try to have clearer conversations with myself about what was going on. Because I think there's a little tension in all of us between wanting to understand ourselves more deeply and that part of us that would really prefer not to know not to know. Prefer not to know about ourselves. Really not know, you know? And who's going to win out in that tug of war? One of the things I discovered uh, was that when we're in a workplace, we want to be in a place where the culture reinforces our core values on an ongoing basis. You know, in the book, sometimes I say, this is where you take the leap. Don't judge people or even your corporate culture too harshly, because many, many organizations and many individuals can evolve in ways that will surprise you. But one of the things you want to think about is whether you're being encouraged to be authentically present whether you're being encouraged to fully explore your feelings or kind of suppress them, and whether you're working in a place where the values of that culture are aligned with your core values. I think it's a very important thing to be asking yourself. Of course. And I guess what you were feeling was there wasn't alignment happening. And so what did you do when you sort of were aware that the alignment wasn't there for you and the whispering in your head became you know, louder? What happened? Well, I think I had always been someone who'd had a very uh, personal connection with my clients and also the people who uh, worked for me on our trading decks. I really tried to establish a very authentic rapport with people and be as, you know, get real and be as straightforward as I could. But the other thing on that was we'd hired a ton of consultants to come in and help us, you know, manage people more effectively. But in many cases, they hadn't really 
been in our business and they weren't really looking at the human side of things. You know, the nature of the questions that we ask ourselves and others really uncovers the kind of information we want. Mm-hmm. And I realized I wanted to help people be more present and be more emotionally honest in the way that they were interacting professionally. So I went back and sort of did a little reinvention. I went to uh, New York University mm-hmm. and got a master's in social work at an LCSW and married wow. that with my financial experience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and married that with my financial experience so I could go back and take a look at how groups interacted. Uh, how they recreated the dynamics that took place in family systems, and, and particularly under stress and under pressure, those things that cause people to pull together, and then sometimes cause that defensiveness to come up where everybody feels alone together, which is, of course, what we don't want, right? Of course, of course. You wrote a book called Authentic Career. Was this during this transitional period that followed you sort of leaving you know, the the Wall Street world and moving more into the work that you do now? Was this around the time that you wrote this book? And, and can you tell us about the purpose and driving force behind the book Authentic Career? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the early things that ended up in the authentic career were actually some of my, my graduate pieces at New York University. But it was really, there were so many people that would come to me, Judy, and they would say, I would love to take risks. I would love to work hard. I would stretch myself any way possible if I could figure out what I really wanted to do with my life and career, but I just don't know. Right. And sometimes, right, they were stuck on that treadmill and they couldn't distinguish between what they genuinely wanted and what other really well intentioned people had advised them they should do to stay safe. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, in something like COVID, I mean, there really is no job security in many ways when big changes come in. So you, you genuinely want to figure out your authentic strengths where those support others most effectively and chart your own course professionally, not let outside forces dictate that for you. Exactly. Find it inside. And in fact, uh, meditation, mindfulness, these are all wonderful ways to start really listening to really what your calling is, what your purpose is. And mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't come from external forces. It comes to, from inside of you. But as we talked about at the beginning, sometimes it's hard to listen to that, you know, to that inner self. And we have to be quiet enough to to hear that. You um you are a very well-known executive coach, Maggie, and your second book, Power Genes, Understanding Your Power Persona and How to Wield It at Work, is all based on on relationships. How did this help your clients when you wrote this book? Oh, I, I think that that really helped them a great deal. At least I, I hope so. I've gotten positive feedback because one of the things we come up against in business is this issue of how we negotiate conflict in a way that fortifies our personal integrity rather than diminishing it. And so when you understand your power style and the four core ones in that book are the pleaser, the charmer, the commander, the inspirer, you start to understand how the reactions that we all have when we feel anxious or threatened, they kick in faster than we can possibly think. So true. Are hard, they're hardwired, right? From, from those primal reactions we, were, we witnessed in our family system. And when we can slow that down, we develop the emotional agility that we might need to not respond the way we always have, but to respond in the way that's going to be most effective depending upon that other person's power style. And you start to understand how your power style morphs. So I think it's particularly helpful for conflict in high pressure situations to look at it through that lens. Thank you. 
You rediscovered the Titanic, as it were, in 2015, when, as you put it, you were facing a Mount Everest of tasks, and you opened up your sort of dog-eared volume of the sinking of the Titanic (laughs) and Great Sea Disasters, published in 1912, just months after the ship sank. What initially attracted you as a young child to this novel that you found out of your father's naval collection of books? Well, you know, I think so many of us love the Titanic story. Now, what drew me to this novel is if you if you look at it, and I wish I could show you this tattered thing with duct tape that's on the side of my desk, right? I mean, for starters, my mother had taken me to community theater to see the uh, musical The Unsinkable Molly Brown. Wow. And there was also that black and white old movie, you know, A Night to Remember. I remember watching mm-hmm. that one and becoming fascinated but also the great pictures in this book when I was going through this, as opposed to some of my father's other naval histories. And I became fascinated with the historic accounts of who these people really were mm-hmm. and what unfolded between them and how they beat the odds coming from this large ship to this small boat. All the norms are gone. And the person that pulls them through is a woman who's a grandmother with no naval training. How did that happen? <laughs> So the whole thing fascinated me. <laughs> so it's so it is so fascinating, and and the story of Lifeboat Six it really has been chronicled everywhere in books, movies, and even in a Broadway musical, as you just mentioned, The Unsinkable Molly Brown. We all think we know the story made famous by James Cameron's film Titanic, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, but in fact, the story is a little more stark than the Hollywood version. But the story of Lifeboat Six still remains a major metaphor in the story, much like the lifeboat process. What is the lifeboat process? Well, the lifeboat process is really sort of a shift in your mindset from what I call the big ship mindset to the lifeboat mindset. So, you know, in the big ship mindset, we are, we're, our roles are scripted for us. We stay busy. We play our part. In the lifeboat mindset, as we mentioned earlier in the conversation, you're, you're present, you're aligned in the moment, and your sense of, of possibilities isn't really defined by your rank. It's defined by your ability to collaborate effectively with other people and add value. So it's a whole different way of looking at it. And what unfolded on lifeboat uh, number six was, I mean, in short, it was really a mutiny, Judy. But that's kind of a loaded word that nobody even used at the time. But it was it was a total change in leadership from hierarchy to this woman who realized the needs, who pulled people together by helping them find their own strengths and her intention was helping everybody live another day to get to their loved ones rather than her rank or her personal prestige. Wow. That's a metaphor for the world. We, 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 need, we need that woman, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> that's, another, that's another show. That's another episode. What is a lifeboat shift? A lifeboat shift is one of those moments of experiential learning. It's one of those ahas that isn't just theoretical. It's we get something, right, that really helps us, uh, you know, change the way that we operate. And that isn't just our ideas. For Like you were speaking about meditation. I'm a huge fan of meditation. I think anybody who's tried it is. Uh, but that shift from the this, this self-help mindset where we're looking out for number one to the us-help mindset where we're really focused on collaborating – That's one of the shifts that we make actionable in the book by actually inviting people to work with others and ask different kinds of questions than they would normally ask. Like working with others to to say, do I sound like I'm being emotionally honest or does it seem like I'm burying feelings? You know, what do you think my body language is conveying to you? But what is my body language conveying to me? 
when I cross my arms, right? You know, I mean, am I being clear about my motives? If I'm not, why aren't I? Do I sound fair? These kinds of things that help make that shift, not just from how you're coming across, but to how other people feel about themselves when they're in your presence. So it's these kinds of experiential learning. So incredible. You have eight questions which make up the lifeboat process. And I've selected just a few. And I was wondering if we can take it step by step and talk about how you help people operate more authentically when the stakes are so high. So when is it time to get into a lifeboat? Well, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you don't want to make the jump prematurely. You don't want to um, to, to leave a big ship too soon because I've seen a lot of promising careers uh, truncated when people didn't realize that an organization or possibly even their boss was able to evolve under pressure. But some of the main things to look for that tell you it's really time to go and make a change are things like if everything that's going on in an organization is just geared to benefiting the personal agendas of the people in charge, you're going to be in trouble, right? If resources are being wasted, and I don't just mean financial resources, I mean those priceless resources like loyalty and motivation yes. and things like that, that, right? If those resources are being wasted and squandered and people aren't being you know, treated appropriately, then you definitely want to do that. And we, we spoke a little bit earlier about that values alignment. I think that's so important, not just because uh, we want to work uh, for an organization that stands for something meaningful that we're proud of, but that what people may not realize is that if you work in the group energy of a place where the values are a little bit askew, over time, that's going to start to twist your relationship with yourself. Then, then you won't be as clear about your own course. And as I say in the book, if you get two degrees off course and you can still see land, that's one thing. But if you're way out there right, <laughs> you, right. and you start to get off course, once you've lost your own compass and your own moorings around what's important to you and why, um, you can lose track of really enjoying and taking charge of the direction of your own life and career. You know, it's interesting to see how people are coping. I mean, there there are some very sad stories out there. There's a lot of suffering going on. But um, I think it's very important to try to remain as positive as you can and to find the good things in every day. But it's it's been hard for people with COVID-19. And I'm not just talking about the people who are sick, but the people who are in quarantine, whose li- who feel that their lives have been turned upside down. How do we find inner strength under this kind of pressure? Because it is a huge pressure economically and in every other way. How do we find, where do we, where do we draw on to get that inner strength? We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, we will hear from Maggie Craddock on how to find that inner strength during these times. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. 
We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we are here with executive coach and author of Lifeboat, Maggie Craddock. And Maggie was just telling us how to tap into our inner strength. Well, you know, I think I, I think that's just such an important question for us all right now. And I speak a lot in the book about what happens when we freeze and what, what happens when we tap into inner strength under pressure. And a lot of it goes to suppressing feelings, those things we don't want to know about ourselves and take that strategic pause. But one thing I hope your listeners will bear in mind is taking a pause in, in stopping and aligning is not a one-size-fits-all skill. You need to develop some real curiosity about why you don't pause. What happens when your adrenaline is running and you're anxious? What causes you to feel driven to overschedule yourself? What causes you to snap at people and lose your temper with family members or someone else under pressure? You want to look at what we call the inner iceberg and we explore in the book because that is the pre-work. That's the pre-step before the pause you have to take. And then for all of us, right, I think taking that pause and not just trying to avoid what we don't want to know about ourselves because it's really going to bubble up at a time like this where there's so much other pressure. But really understanding why it's difficult to pause, what we do with that time when we pause that's going to empower us more, right? Setting boundaries, holding other people accountable, doing for others. What we do with that time gets us focused, helps us understand the resources we do have, including other people in the present moment. And keeps us moving in a positive direction. And Judy, it doesn't have to be a big step. Sometimes it's just a small step and the positive direction will keep us aligned in the flow of what's positive in our work and our lives. That's so brilliant. It's almost like you need to take three breaths, right? That You, you need to just take in uh, three deep inhales and exhales <laughs> and just, and, and exactly, just think the word pause right, and uh, right. delay, just delay your reaction and breathe. And think mm-hmm. about it, maybe even for mm-hmm. 24 hours sometimes before you react and, and your reaction will be much calmer. So there is no question that as a team, we are stronger. And this is why I love the lifeboat metaphor. And I know that our listeners and, and all the readers of your book will love this. There are people who are more concerned with themselves in the world. And I think what we're realizing in this new normal that we're living is that we have to be more outward focused. Can you elaborate more on this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think that we're going through many things that are causing more and more of us to appreciate the simple pleasures that we have left when so many of them have been taken away, right? It brings us right back to the moment. And one of those is how important other people are, not just transactionally, not just for the next event or the next deal, how important other people are in terms of emotional support, Absolutely. in terms of perspective, yeah. in terms of feedback, right? In terms of just giving us what we need in terms of uh, supporting us as we make the changes we need to make. And we all pull through this together. I mean, one thing about the lifeboat process is you begin to realize there's some things we can't do alone. On, on bad days, we all need to reach out to somebody uh, you know, and who, who we really respect and trust and be open about that to get through that day and to get through this crisis in our business and our families and our lives. We're going to need each other to do it. Nobody's going to play solo through this one. Absolutely. It's so absolutely true. I can tell you, even with this show, this show was, a, you know, a radio show that was in a radio studio. We went to the studio every week to uh, record the, you know, the one hour live show. It was live streamed and podcasted, et cetera. We did 26 episodes 
clothes that way. And then this struck and I took a hiatus of about three weeks and said, okay, how can we make lemonade out of this giant lemon as it were? And, uh, we recreated the whole show in a makeshift home recording studio all virtually. And there is no way that I could have done this without the most incredible team of angels, really all of us working together, everyone having their role, everyone being important. And I'm so grateful to them. I get emotional when I think about it because this wouldn't be happening. This interview wouldn't be happening without, there's no way it would be happening without our team. So I really feel like we were in a lifeboat and we just decided to survive and, and make it work, you know? So that's (laughs) wonderful. What was the drama that happened in Lifeboat number six? You talk about that. What was the drama around it? Well, Robert Hitchens was the quartermaster who was put in charge of commanding Lifeboat number six. And coincidentally, he was the guy who actually had his hands on the wheel of the whole Titanic when it was barreling towards that iceberg at top speed. And he wasn't authorized to turn that wheel, so he didn't until he got an official order. And we'll never know whether uh, if he'd been trained to take more personal authority at a moment like that, much of this disaster could have been avoided. You go through the whole story thinking maybe they would have made it if this, right? That was one of them. So he shows up on Lifeboat number six. And then he really sort of fell apart emotionally. And he wasn't connecting with other people. And he was feeling insecure. And he was barking orders at people. And it it didn't look good. I mean, it looked like they were all going to perish in the open seas. And Margaret Brown, a grandmother, another female passenger on the boat is looking at all these other women just thinking, gosh, I, I, I hope this guy gets it together. And she literally started looking around and organizing people. The women were too weak to row in the water. So she organized them to to ignore. She got them moving, right? It was so brilliant. It's like the present moment. Who do we have? What can we do? Right? Just a moment of inspiration, right? They, they moved together. And then eventually the entire group uh, shut Hitchens down and basically made Margaret Brown the informal leader that uh, pulled them through the crisis. Amazing. What, yeah. what an incredible story. There are four stages of a big ship reaction. What are they? Basically, a crisis hits. That's the first, uh, that's the first stage in anything. The second one in a, in a big ship reaction is you suppress your feelings. It's like, you know, game face on, right? And then we're just going to pretend this isn't happening. And then if you suppress or freeze those feelings, you may underreact or overreact. And if you do that, in order to stay true to that big ship uh, script you've created, you have to rationalize a narrative for that. So if you yell at somebody, you're going to have to play the victim and make it their fault, right? If you freeze, you're going to have to play the victim and make it their fault. And whatever it is, you end up trapped in this internal cycle of inertia where you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the, the as we'd mentioned a little bit earlier, the precursor, the thing that we do in the lifeboat process and the precursor to that pause is the thing happens, Mm-hmm. And you actually get in touch with your feelings. You understand why you would be tempted to freeze, but here's where we're not gonna. You pause. Mm-hmm. You look at those feelings head on. You assess what your strengths are and who the other people are around you who can help you, which involves a little humility. And then you see what you can do in the present moment that's going to move you forward in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And you talk also about 
things like big ship characteristics, such as making a dazzling first impression, being dramatic, monopolizing the conversation, not being a team player. Can you tell us more about these big ship characteristics and how we don't want to do these things? Well, they, they really grab your attention, don't they, Judy? Because we've all seen them, you know, the name dropping, right? Yeah. The, uh, you know, the playing the victim, the drama, you know, yeah. the, the like, yeah, and, and these are things that don't necessarily go well because they're driven by insecurity and a sense of defensiveness, mm-hmm. right? This is not where we want want to be. These are relationships based on impression management. Mm -hmm. In contrast, the lifeboat situation really is about establishing genuine rapport with other people. What can you do in the moment? Um, and, and looking at how you align your words and your actions clearly so that you can communicate with other people, but also so that you're present enough to really see and hear them in the fullest way possible. That's lovely. That's so lovely. What a great metaphor also for parenting and for uh, husbands, <laughs> for everything. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try this on my husband. <laughs> I did, well, you know, my husband and I talk about this all the time. And a lot of my clients have said, you know, Maggie, I put these principles to work with my employees, but they're really helping at home. <laughs> so it, it, they're good ideas in your marriage, I'll tell you. It's really so, good. So, I love thank it. Thank you. Yeah, that's so <laughs> How do we know, Maggie, who we can trust and rely on in a crisis? For example, when the ship is sinking, how do you know who you can trust? Well, the first person you always want to be able to trust is yourself, right? So again, with this aligning in the present moment, you're you're making better decisions there too. But I would say the things to look for are um, people who are consistent in what they say and what they do. Right. You know, I, I, we hear it in the news all the time. Don't don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Even people who have an abrasive inter, interpersonal tone are sometimes extremely trustworthy uh, when when action really needs to be taken. So we have to look at that. Um, and, and then I, I think also people who have a commitment to trying to reconcile um, their individual fulfillment. Mm-hmm. with the greater good of other people. Yes. And there, there are plenty of those people out there. Uh, we get distracted in the media sometimes by extreme cases of people who have a personal agenda. And I don't necessarily think they're representative of, of uh, the bulk of people. I think there are many people out there working and living today that are, uh, that are much more mindful of the good of others in their families and communities than we sometimes see portrayed Absolutely. in the media. And we have to focus on those people. I, I love in your lifeboat question number eight, when you ask, what will be my story? And specifically, I think a lot of people are really asking, what will be my story right now in this world? My new story, perhaps. Can you explain? Well, this book and these principles aren't just about avoiding uh, problems and avoiding dangers, although they can help with that. But it's also about navigating your life with a generous spirit and doing it in the little ways as well as the big. Because when you do that, um, you find that you're preparing yourself for big things when you don't even realize it. Uh, you never know who's watching you. That's something we definitely know in the modern world. We've all got an iPhone, right? You never know who's watching. Sometimes we wish it weren't the case as much as it is. But even when we're isolated like we are now, um, first, you're always a witness to your own behavior. But second, things are changing and happening in the world around us and within ourselves. And when we just stay gently curious about what's unfolding in the present and mindful of the little and big things we can do to brighten another person's day, support them, things start to open up. You meet people, things happen, you have conversations, you come up with an idea 
And that keeps us in the flow of positive change. It also takes our shift away from this deadly narrow focus on this is going wrong and this is going wrong and this is going wrong and helps us train our feelings and our intellect on what just might go right. Yes. So and that's something true. we don't want to forget. Right? So true. Oh, I love that. I love your story about Jose learning the power of kindness. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Oh, that, that was a very <laughs> memorable one for me. I was, uh, I was the keynote speaker at a uh, convention for proprietary traders. So you can only imagine what a raucous group of individuals this was, right? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to, be, trying to make our points. We're trying to be macho. We're trying to be businesslike. But I did come up with an exercise. And I said, you know, I wanted everybody to just reflexively try to do something that I call automatic altruism. Just think of something nice you can do for someone else and just do it before you even think about it. And traders love that because they're very knowledgeable about what their assets are going to do in the market. But if they don't learn to operate on instinct, the market will move away before they have time. So they're very, you know, they, they, they do their homework, but then they react, they react, they react. So this thing got fun. People are uh, exchanging phone numbers, giving each other little gifts, you know, little jokes, things. So the day before I leave, Jose comes up to me and he is just, he's, he's stern and he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what went wrong? Right. And he said, I, I, you know, when you talked about this exercise, I didn't like it. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, I'm a keynote speaker. He, he couldn't stand it. He said, I thought it was a little fluffy, but everybody else was having so much fun with it. I thought I'd try. And then he told me that he had, um, he decided to call his wife and have, you know, flowers delivered to her. And so he Aww. had, the, he had the flowers delivered, but then she phoned, she was pulling out of the driveway when the florist came and she was just about to file for divorce and she was taking the kids mm. because he worked so hard and was so focused on his job and he convinced himself that all the money he was making was making it better for his family, that they felt neglected. And he wasn't aware of how he's dragging this abrasive temper home because of you know all the office politics. She was ready to leave him. And that one little gesture with the car, that one tiny thing, and they stayed on the phone all night. Mm. So he became a fast friend. I was back there six months later talking about this. So that's why some of these principles aren't just for the office. Some of these principles help your life too. And by the way, when we're working from home, if your life's not working, your career's not working either. (laughs) Absolutely. Of course. It's the wheel of life. I I know you're an executive coach. I'm a life coach, but it's the wheel of life, right? When one of the wedges in the wheel starts to work, all the other wedges in the wheel start to work as well. Right. Right. How do we chart our own course? Well, I think it's really understanding um, what is genuinely meaningful and fulfilling for you. And we've all got that. You know, it's, it's something that we all know in our heart of hearts, but so many expectations and needs to feel, to please other people and fears have overcome that. So, you know, when I sit down and I talk to people and I know as a, as a life coach, you do too, they will often tell you all these things. And what you're trying to do is help them listen, not to you, but more carefully to themselves, right? So we've all got that in us. And so people need to feel free to try to explore those gifts and those talents and realize, you know, where they're going to add the most value for other people. That always comes together in that crossroads. And I tell people all the time, Judy, when you start to get on point with your life purpose, not a single thing that's happened to you is wasted. Not your your boyfriend in the second grade, not what you did in the job before this one, not what you wrote that A-plus page paper on, it kind of all comes together when you find that click. And if we pause, we find it. 
It's so true. And it all begins to make sense. It's Mm -hmm. so true. What is bliss right now for Maggie Craddock? Oh my gosh. (sighs) Bliss for me is maintaining sort of a sense of balance and presence so that I can enjoy my life while I'm living it on a daily basis. I mean, I'm I'm married to my best friend. Uh, I just love the Mm. simple moments when we just look at each other and we're together. I mean, sheltering in place, we're having a pretty good time. I mean, I hope to feel that (laughs) over my time. Um, uh, Bliss to me is time to invest in in friendships that I consider an emotional two-way street. And and what I mean by this, Judy, is, you know, you're a coach too, right? We're, We're there giving people advice, but sometimes I need support too. And I have plenty of girlfriends in my life that don't, you know, expect me to play that role and put on that hat. You know, they can just be there with me and we can give and take with each other. We've known each other a long time. Um, Time to read for pleasure, not professionally, just stuff I love. Right. And then for me, my passion, my abiding passion is the great trees of the world. I mean, I, I photograph them, I sketch Uh them, I paint them, I love them, you know? So Wow. That's my thing, Judy, is trees. I mean, literally, I, I uh, for many years, my email address was I love trees, right? And, um, and uh, so time to see trees, appreciate trees, be with trees is vital for me. I love that. Well, I have to tell you, you're, you're absolutely terrific. And I've enjoyed this time with you so much. The book is called Lifeboat. The author is Maggie Craddock, spelt C-R-A- D-D-O-C-K. You can connect with Maggie Craddock on LinkedIn, and you can also visit www.workplacerelationships.com. The book will be published and available at all booksellers on August the 4th. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's really been delightful to have you on Finding Your Bliss. Oh, Judy, thank you so much. It's been wonderful and have a wonderful rest of the day and uh, so happy for your success. And uh, you'll have to come on sometime and talk about the trees. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Thank you again for the conversation. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going to go on a short commercial break right now. When we come back, we'll meet this week's featured artist, Barry Livingston, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. This week's featured artist is jazz musician and Finding Your Bliss fan, Barry Livingston. A graduate of the University of Toronto, Barry Livingston has played at jazz festivals all across Canada and in New York City. He is a former member of the Flying Bulgar Klezmer Band and has also played with Juno-winning saxophonist Jane Bunnett. He has attended the Banff Centre where he studied and collaborated 
with many jazz greats, including Dave Holland, Kenny Wheeler, Muhal Richard Abrams, and Don Thompson. Barry is also a respected and established music educator with over 20 years of private and classroom experience, including Langara College, Gulf Island Secondary School, Mint Music, and University of Toronto Schools, UTS. In his teaching, composing, and performances, Barry has devoted many years to educating and collaborating with others in settings dedicated to sound work, community building, and therapeutic dimensions of music. He has also hosted and contributed to music programs for CIUT-FM and CBC Radio. Barry's music reviews and articles have been published in Toronto Life, Scandinavian Press, CODA, and Whole Note magazines. For the last seven years, Barry has led and composed for his jazz group, Barry Livingston Group, which features some of Canada's best musicians, including Suba Sankaran, voice, George Collar, bass, Kobe Haas, bass, and Colleen Allen-Reeds. The group has performed at many high-profile Toronto venues at the Steel City Jazz Fest and the prestigious McMaster University Live Lab Theatre 10 DB Series. His music is jazz global music for meditation and relaxation. You can find Barry at his website, barrylivingstonmusic.com. That's L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N music.com and on Facebook at Barry Livingston Group. Let's have a listen to Peace from Barry Livingston and his band, the Barry Livingston Group.
Oh, that was fantastic. That actually was so peaceful and beautiful. I just love that. Thank you so much, Barry. Each week, we spotlight a singer, singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you are a singer and you want to be considered to appear on Finding Your Bliss Radio, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. Also, we encourage you to visit our online magazine at www.findingyourbliss.com. And thank you to all the writers who've been writing. It's fantastic. Of course, for the latest and greatest, follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram. That's T-H-E-B-L-I-S-S-M-I-N-U-T-E on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also, as I mentioned off the top of the show, doing Bliss Coaching on Zoom. For more information, go to at the Bliss Minute on Instagram and click on the link in my bio to hear all about that, Finding Your Bliss Coaching, or go to findingyourbliss.com and click on Coaching. We also would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what your ideas are for future shows, any singers or guests you would love for us to feature. Please fill out our Finding Your Bliss survey available at www.findingyourbliss.com slash survey. Also in Bliss News this week, there's an amazing new introduction to meditation class being offered by our very own regular guest, Josh Cohen. The course is being held from August 10th to August 16th from Monday through Sunday. So that's every day, every evening from 5 to 5.30 p.m. The classes will meet using the Zoom conferencing app. For more information, just go to downwarddog.com and click on workshops and events. I would like to thank all of my guests for being here today. Also, a big thank you to our supervising producer, Mag Ruffman, production manager, Siobhan Kylie, PA researcher and editor, Haley Allegia, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. We're going to close out the show today with a short meditation called Script for Feeling Sensations from Love to Know. Find awareness of your breath, total awareness in your breathing. Notice the inhale and notice the exhale. Begin to feel your diaphragm expand with each inhale and feel the diaphragm contract with each exhale. Feel the breath coming in through your nose, filling up your lungs. Feel the breath exiting through your nose as your lungs deflate and just relax the breath. Relax the breath. Find a feeling of heaviness in the body. Feel that heaviness. Feel each part of your body from your toes to the top of your head becoming heavy. So heavy that you sink into the floor. Find that awareness. Feel that heaviness. Now become aware of the lightness of the body. Awaken that lightness in each part of the body from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. Every part of the body is light and weightless. The body becomes so light it might float off the floor. Feel this lightness. Now come back to the breath. Notice how calm your breath is and even it is. Notice your inhale and your exhale and gently open your eyes. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.